Northern New York Community Podcasts, stories from the heart of our community. Hi folks, and welcome to the Northern New York Community Podcast. I'm your host, Max Del Signor. We have a great episode in store for you. In this edition of the podcast, we head to Lewis County to talk about philanthropy's overall impact in the region, influential figures that have promoted and demonstrated charitable giving, and why this specific area boasts a genuine spirit for community betterment. We are fortunate to have two Lewis County residents with us to touch on these topics and more. Don Hunt and Joe Widrick each have unique stories behind their participation in community philanthropy, but they will also share how Grasshopper Baseball helped forge their lifelong friendship. Don and Joe, thanks for being on the podcast with us. Thank you for having us. So to start, too, it's I'm very excited to hear your stories about philanthropy in Lewis County. And philanthropy, I think, sometimes can be a scary word to the public. It, it, I think it has a, a meaning that may not necessarily be clear to, to most. But obviously, philanthropy isn't just what you give financially, but your time, your talent, your resources, uh, strengths that you put into a community. What, what do you see as the culture of philanthropy in Lewis County, uh, given the time that you've resided in that area? Well, my experience has been as, as any projects I uh, uh, would have, have been involved in, why it's usually pretty easy to, uh, there's a number of people that I can call on that can usually get uh, uh, some responses. And uh, one of the things that I find is most of them are in my age bracket. Which is something we'll probably be talking about later. But which uh, is old. <laughs> which is old. <laughs> you guys but aren't to, that old. <laughs> uh, to get younger people involved. And that's I echo echo that. In there's some good organizations that are you can't say getting long in the tooth, but they they just are having trouble keeping up the numbers. Um, it falls to fewer and fewer members to try to maintain the activity and the funding for it. And it's a, it's a little bit it's a little bit scary in some things. So, um, how do you get younger people involved? And uh, if you can get them excited, they'll come along. But uh, there there is that out that there is that out there that is uh, a trend that uh, needs addressing needs needs to be worked on. Is there a local organization in Lewis County or even a community group? that has done a pretty good job or is doing a good job of capturing that younger generation or at least trying to instill some more of that volunteerism in them? Oh yeah, the, you, off the top of our head, the ones, the Lewis County Fair, they're in their 196th year and uh, they have an amazing um, cadre of volunteers that comes into town for, it's just one week a year, but there's a lot of work goes on before and after and the, uh, funding and that of it and they get us they get us all involved in uh, in one way or another and they've had some some really good leaders uh, Dr. Harry O'Connor was one that uh, just passed away but his successor um, Doug Hanno and there's a there's a long list of ones before that but they've uh, they've kept the agricultural flair um, as a flair as a fair and uh, um, you talk, if you go around the grounds during that week and you see people from away and they say, well, I'm from this county or I'm from up north, but we bring our kids to the Lewis County Fair. They're, this is still a fair. It's family oriented and we, we, can, we can enjoy it here. And there is a, quite a few younger generation involved in that. That's one of the areas. I think probably one of the areas that there's more younger generation involved in most, in, than a lot of the others that we're... And part of it's because they're tied to the school. The, the, they share the 
the ball fields and that kind of thing. So there is a younger element that's tied to the fair than, than maybe some others. But uh, it's it's a great. It's a lot of work for one week, but it's the continuity's there, and they're able to um, excite the, the community and. Uh, one down the other end of the county is the Boonville Black River Museum. Now there's a talk, museums we usually think of as old and you know haven't been around well, but they're in there. If I'm right, just about 10 years, and they started that on the, the edge of the the canal there in Boonville, and a dedicated group. They wanted to build a canal boat and built the buildings to go along with it, and every year you go down through there. They've, they're added, adding something to it, and it's a great, great thing for, again, the, the kid or youth element is good to it. You can go in there and play with a canal boat and watch, learn how a lock works, and it, uh, it's a great place. And there's Ed Finmore and his crew down there, they, they just keep going. But I, you'd have to tell him, but I don't know how many kids involved in that. I, you can go by, I think it's Tuesday mornings, and you'll see all the cars in the lot there, and they're having their board meeting to get ready for what they're going to do next. But uh, it's worth a visit every other year, every, every year as far as that goes. Don, you mentioned ball fields. I think that's a good segue. So you and Joe met on a baseball field playing grasshopper when you were younger. Yep. Um, tell, tell the story about how you guys kind of first became friends, or teammates, I guess, in this respect. Well, it's about 19... Well, you don't want to tell them that date. Huh? You don't want to tell them the date. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> verify it. But, hey, it. but it's Lowville in the 1946 to 50 area. Kiwanis is sponsoring Grasshopper Baseball, which was predated Little League. And it wasn't... We didn't have any fancy uniforms or anything else, but the, we played during the summer. And... Uh, that's where we met, and then then I went on. I went on to Glenfield, left Glenfield, graduated from um, General Martin, played ball there. I didn't hook up again with Joe until after we were both grown. I was coming, came back here to practice as a CPA, and Joe was working in his family business, and we <laughs> reacquainted after that's after quite a long period of time, after 15 years. But it didn't take us long to kind of get back together and we've been working similar organizations for from then till now. Was Don a good baseball player? No, I'd have to put him on the spot. <laughs> he was a left-handed pitcher, a very good pitcher, and threw a lot of curveballs. <laughs> <laughs> I promise there won't be any curveballs the rest of the interview just <laughs> for that. Joe, tell me a little bit about where you grew up too. You know, as Don stated, you, you had met when you were younger. Um, kind of went your separate paths, graduated school, started in the family business. Uh, just for the, for the listeners, share a little bit about your backstory. Grew up in Cro the big city of Krogan, New York. Uh, and uh, from there we moved to uh, Lowville, graduated from Lowville School. My dad started the John Deere business in uh, 1938. And I uh, got involved in that in, uh, with my brother in, in 1964. Four, 1962 actually, and then uh, he and I bought my father out in about 1968, and it's been passed on to a third generation in 1983, and now it's recently been sold in 19, oh, in 2000, about four years ago it was recently recently sold. 
So to have uh, four children, two boys, two girls, uh, two of them in this area, the others are ones in Texas and ones in Pennsylvania. Have a lovely wife, Shirley, who has been married for, we've been married for 57 years. Wow. So. I won't ask how you met Shirley, but if you want to share, you can. She was a blind date. She was? Yeah, she was blind. No, I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, uh, she had never met me, but a friend of hers uh, wanted to ask me to go out with her, or ask her to go out with me, and she agreed. The rest is history. That's right. <laughs> now, Don, you said you were born in Watertown, correct? Yeah, I was born here in Watertown, the House of Good Samaritan, when it looked a lot different than it does now. And uh, but we moved to Lewis County when I was eight, and so, so I can't be a native of Lewis County, but I'm 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 fairly close. And uh, my dad built the IGA store in in Glenfield. We ran that for a while, and then he had a better project at Brandingham, where he bought an old boathouse. He really needed a project to keep his two sons off the street, and it it really worked because <laughs> we complained about it, but it was great experience. And uh, probably the best part of it, that's how I met Donna. She was working as a, my wife, she was working as a waitress at Brainingham Inn, uh, now been torn down for some time. And uh, July 25th, 1957, we met, and as Joe says, the rest was history, so. And we've been together 55 years, so he got a couple year head start on us. But we've been, the, the couples have been friends for, for all that time. So. And for your career too, Don, you were a CPA for many years, correct? I was, yeah. Joe mentioned the date when he came back into the business, and it wasn't soon after that that I started doing doing that type of work for Woodrick and Sons, and uh, and did it for a lot of years. And then I retired to be an investment advisor. So, with all the same clients, they they all grew up, and uh, I could help in that respect. You mentioned too the connections. I mean, not just baseball, but obviously professions kind of brought you back together and really forged these relationships and a lot of ways friendships too. In, in Lewis County and much in Northern New York, a lot of these community causes and efforts are really made possible because everybody does come together um, for, for a concerted effort. Are there a couple of good examples that stick out in your minds of projects or efforts, causes that happen in Lewis County that really made a difference or an impact with everybody kind of coming together? Probably the, the uh, I guess the one that shows the most from the road is the Maple Ridge project in, in Lowellville. Um, Pratt Northam uh, became aware that the, the horse farm there was in bankruptcy and was going to be sold. And we said, uh, if we could hang, acquire this piece of property and keep it in strong hands until the community could figure out what to do with it, what were the best and highest and best uses of it. So we, the board came together. It wasn't an easy decision, but um, came together, acquired the property, and set out first to the community to say, how can this property be used? And uh, it, uh, the, building, the buildings were there, but there was other acreages that you know, many things could happen with. So um, we set out on that, and one of the first people that showed some interest and had some plans for it was, then it was Beaver Camp for Boys, it was called, but then the, the Maple Ridge name was attached to it. And Joe was there, if not out front, just, just behind the scenes as he very often is, saying, well, maybe we can do something here. I'll, I'll let him pick it up from there. But Well, what happened is that uh, Beaver Camp, I guess I wouldn't say acquired the property, but 
I guess that's the word to use, but they didn't, there wasn't really any money involved. So The price uh, was right. The price was right. But uh, they've done a quite a few things there, community events that they uh, have done over the years and worked along with Pat North on a number of the things. And uh, it's, uh, it's been something that, uh, it's got a lot of community use from young people, from children, and even it's a lot of adult programs that they've uh, done over the years. Tubtoe is the latest for the, for the youngest. Joe's instrumental in getting that done. And it's still a work in progress because there's uh, acreage that wasn't going to be used and uh, our, the, the Pratt Northam group was mindful we took property off the tax roll so we had some obligation to try to put something back. And um, the, we did, we found a, we thought first about developing it ourselves but uh, our we had some board members who said that isn't where we ought to go and that we, we all agreed on that. But then we did find somebody and a uh, very unusual fellow and now there's 18 to 20 um, affordable homes on the project. Um, it has attracted many from Fort Drum. Um, even though it's, well they had to move the line a little bit in order to get make it qualifying so that they could be close enough to Fort Drum for some of the uh, personnel to be able to, to live there. Uh, so that's, and there's some, that's going on. The, the fellow has acquired some other acreage, so that's going to grow. And that put many times the assessed value back on the, back on the rolls. And it brought 18, 20 new families into the school district. And uh, so it's a, certainly a multiplier effect. And just the fact that what we set out, it's in, in strong hands for ideas to develop that maybe if it had just been uh, let to go to bankruptcy, why, um, that, that couldn't have developed. And there's still, there's other acreage left. Uh, we had hopes for some of it to be uh, for a park, not unlike Watertown's Thompson Park. That was the original goal. Uh, that may not happen, but they're talking uh, possibility of a, a community college extension there, an extension of Jefferson County Community College being on site in Lewis County for um, things related to employee occupations in the county. So it's not a given, but it's, it's something that's out there and it's not precluded because we haven't got to do anything with a, well, I shouldn't they, I'm retired from Pratt Northam now, but the, the boys behind, they're, they're, they're still working on it. Well, you mentioned it's a good segue, Don. You, know, you had quite a, a long tenure of, of participation in the Pratt Northam Foundation. And for the listeners that aren't aware of what the foundation's background is. Um, could you share just a, a snapshot of you know, its founding and, and what the foundation has done for Lewis County? Well, I just can tell you a little bit about it. Sure. <laughs> but I think the, 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 the easiest way into it is uh, part of my tenure on the, the uh, board, along with the others, we, uh, we published a book in 1997 called Pratt Northam Foundation of History. And it was written by uh, Robert Rich, editor and publisher of the Carthage Republican Tri Tribune. And it traces the Pratt family history, Pratt Northam Foundation, and Hazel Northam, who was instrumental in it. And for history buffs, why you can, you can, uh, should have, be able to get that book in any local library. We, as soon as we published it, we went around the counties, well, Boonville to Carthage, our area, and populated all the libraries with that book. 
we did get a surprise that one day one showed up on the internet and we couldn't figure out quite how that would be. <laughs> they weren't for sale anywhere. <laughs> but anyway, so we're not sure that they're all in all the libraries. But anyway, if folks want to go out there and, uh, and look for the book, and if it isn't there, let, let us know and we'll make sure they get a copy again or, or uh, contact me or somebody. <laughs> we'll figure out again. But it, you know, it tells the whole story, which is very, very interesting. Um, but it, it, its roots were uh, after Walter Pratt died and as the money came to his niece, uh, at one point she said she didn't want this. It was too much responsibility and what could they do with it? And her lawyer, lawyer at that time um, said, well, what about a foundation? And she says, let's do it. And uh, so, so when she passed, there was about a million dollars came to um, the Pratt Northam Foundation and a, a board was appointed and they, their focus was scholarships at first and that proceeded for about 10, 12 years. And they, the, the group, that group got older and thought, well, you know, what, what should we do with this? Or how long was this supposed to last? And at one point there was a plan to give half to Syracuse University and half to um, St. Lawrence and let them run the scholarships. But a, a local fellow, Dick Cummings, said, well, I think I got a better idea. Give, give me a little time. And he, he um, rounded up some additional board members, uh, some younger <laughs> board members and some new ideas and expanded the, expanded the coverage of it. That, that's when I happened to come aboard and it was probably the luckiest thing that could ever happen to me. But uh, this expansion, we went from uh, scholarship to workerships. Now if you put into your computer, if you put workership in, it'll say either there's no such word or it isn't spelled right, but it shows that the rest of the world is behind Lewis County because we have <laughs> workerships. And, uh, and workership is um, a not-for-profit organization is encouraged to create a job that a, that a college-bound student could work at um, they paid minimum wage. It was it was 400 hours. Uh, it varies some now, I believe. Uh, so they got paid, and uh, in return the, the uh, organization got the services of the student. Well, in in a in the best of situations, why that the work that they're doing is somehow related to their uh, hope for career. If we if we do that, we you know we figure we've that's that's really exceptional. We've had examples where not only did they work in their field, um, but they came back to Lewis County to practice that, and we used to call that a home run among evaluating the the uh, workerships. And there are all kinds of uh, gradations of that in between of what the what the workership could do. Um, great examples, but the book tells you. If you go to the book, that will also tell you some of these things. Since 1979, when they took this track, they've awarded something over $3.2 million in workerships. And uh, it's a, they've covered, covered the, uh, a great panoply of things. And, uh, and that's about, they decided to do about half of the expenditures go to workerships and the other half go to what we called uh, youth and small C culture. I say small C, capital C would be um, ballet and symphony. We didn't do a lot of that, but we did do musical groups uh, in the communities. Stage, summer stage was a favorite one. Libraries, uh, 
you name it. But there again, the, the book will give you some detail. Well, the website is a good place to go there to give you an examples of that. That's prattnortham.org. Okay. And uh, there's there are updates on some of the some of the things there, and it's just uh, well, I don't think there are many organizations of any substance that haven't been touched. You know, haven't been. Figure out how to get some help for the summer and uh, and work that through. The foundation also does its own general some general grant making as well, correct? Or and it's historically has it done to oh, support? Oh, that's what the, I mean. That's what these all are. They, right. they, they just uh, they uh, uh, encourage to all the not for profits. I would say are, are encouraged to make a grant request and uh, different methods. Sometimes it's a matching grant. Some they they. You know, they can ask for all money, but sometimes that isn't the well. We'll match. We'll match what you're going to do in cash or some other stipulation. So, but each grant stands on each on its merit, whether it's the first time or you know or a repeat one. But there's a board there of twelve or so uh, members, all on the website. So it's you. <laughs> we'll send folks so, there. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could we could put the link on the page. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not unlike the community foundation in that tense that you've got a you got a pool of money a reliable source a stream of income and you've got a uh, uh, engaged board trying to figure out how to how to allocate that and uh, it's it's worked you know through all the things that have happened in Lewis County and all the great projects that you both have been a part of um, participation as a result of having some of those values within and you know, for each of you, you've demonstrated philanthropy in, in your different ways, but there's got to be that willingness. Joe, for you, what really inspired you to be willing to give back in your community? Where, where did some of those values come from? Oh, I, I can't really put my finger on anything special. I, just, I guess just observing other people, different people that I saw, different projects. I know, I know a number of people that just get... Uh, really involved in uh, all volunteer work with uh, uh, different organizations or if, if there's a need someplace why there's different people that I know of and that I'm in friends friends with that uh, are the first ones to step out and get involved I think that's what probably I think by observing some other people of what they do uh, in that respect really has helped me uh, there again there's a lot of different names. I, I hesitate to say them because you always forget somebody, but there's a number of them that, I, if I had a project, I'd have to, uh, some uh, project that I was gonna get involved in uh, that I could, in 10 minutes, I know half a dozen or better people I can call and they'd be there. Are there folks, and a question for both of you, are there folks, I know you don't wanna single anybody out, but there are, are there a handful of names, you know, folks who have been instrumental in moving some projects along in Lewis County or seem to fruition that you think um, have stood out or have been really the, the integral pieces to making some of some things happen? Um, who would those, some of those names be? Funny you should ask. Each year they, there's a Donald Extrad Community Service Award. They have to be nominated for consideration by a Pratt Northam member. They don't do one every year. They just put out their 11th, 11th and twenty-some uh, years, but I would urge you to go to, if you just type in Donald Exford Community Service Award, you'll find some background of that for that type of thing, and they go from from Boonville to Harrisville to Copenhagen to in Carthage, which includes the whole range that that uh, Pratt Northam 
covered. That's where Walter made his money. So the decision was to give back in that area. So, but that, that uh, service award has some outstanding individuals and um, it, there's quite a range of it. You know. and, and the one he's mentioning uh, would be Don Exford. I could say that. Uh, I've been involved in a number of different projects with Don and uh, uh, great example. He was a great example of, of uh, getting involved in things. Get things I, with him. He was involved in Maple Ridge. He was involved in Brookside Retirement Community. Very much involved in Brookside Retirement Community. Uh, and I was involved in that with him. And, uh, uh, and We lost was, him way too young. That was, yeah, was vital in all of this type of thing. He was the first executive director of Pratt Northam. And so he was, he was in that role and out in the community and set up set a standard that other, the ones who've had to follow have tried to fill their shoes. If you could, Joe, just for a second, talk about the, the Brookside project, because I know it's something that, you know, has, has, was always in the forefront of your mind and it was something that was important to you. And with, with Don being somebody who could help you see that to the finish line, what, what, what was that project like for you and for the others that kind of helped you? Um, well, it started out with... Uh, Don got involved right after it got started, pretty much, and, and then there was, there was a period of time that it just kind of was not going anyplace, and so I offered to give him six months of my time, volunteered to, to uh, get the project off the ground. Six, <laughs> six months turned into two years. Two years turned into 20 years. So, so we're still working at it. But uh, uh, it's been a good project. It's, uh, we have a... Uh, an awful lot of people from out of the area that live there now. Senior there's housing, correct? Senior housing, and there's uh, about 114 residents. Uh, my wife and I had worked on four other different projects along with Purcell Construction Company on a volunteer basis to get them up and running. One was in Watertown and Plattsburgh and Onia, uh, Auburn, and where was the other one? Oh, Buffalo, but same type type of project. But Don and Don Exford was involved in a number of those too. With, with all these projects and things that you have participated in together, what what's the biggest takeaway? The biggest thing you learn from being a part of a project that it's the impetus and seeing at the end. What 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 are the key takeaways? Things that you learn from that? Keep digging. <laughs> keep going, yeah. When you say keep digging, just be persistent. Don't get discouraged. There was a, we had a number of setbacks, especially on the Brookside project. A number of setbacks that, that we had to overcome. And that, that, uh, the first one was we bought some land and spent a, quite a bit of money on it that didn't turn out at all. That had to be scrapped, had to restart again, and, and uh, had a good board of directors, and they just kept kept plugging away and finally got it off the ground. Are there a couple of, I mean, there are many organizations, in particular nonprofits, that really help serve as kind of the engine for good things happening in Lewis County. Are there a couple in particular that stand out in your mind that are providing great services, have a strong mission, uh, that you think are continuing to make a really important difference in the area? One thing that they have in the county that the, uh, it's a little different, but it's a, f a food pantry that uh, that's, uh, gets uh, a lot of people donate to that and, and 
money and food, and and uh, I think it does help a lot of needy families in the in the area. That's one I can think of offhand. Uh, hospice is another. Hospice I was having breakfast with breakfast with another two other Pratt Northam former directors, so we were, and they they were diving right into that. And I said, boy, I'd forgotten. I did a little list and. And that's one that uh, it's been developed in our lifetime, and it's grown and matured, and, and does a very professional job now. And it's a need that I do, you can't service it any other way. The model is uh, volunteers, but there are also professionals involved, and they found they found a way to to work that through. There's a number of different projects that uh, I think of. Uh, and, and there are a number of different things that could be happening in a project Don and I have been involved in, which is Maple Ridge. There's a lot of opportunities up there, a lot of things that could be done. We have one big problem. <laughs> Do you have any idea what that would be? I don't offhand. We don't have the money. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's uh, uh, there's a number of different community things, some new things that could be developed up there. But we just were la lacking. Uh, we get each other and say, "Well, funds. Joe would say, you know, if we only had a million dollars, we could do this." But I've told him he's got to update that for inflation. I think it's probably <laughs> if we only had three million dollars, <laughs> we could do it. But that's the problem yeah. with every nonprofit. Well, it, it, in looking uh, back too, it's good that Pratt Northam took the concerted or the uh, proactive step rather to just preserve that asset. Um, to at least foresee a vision for that property to be able to have it as, as an asset for not just Lavo for Lewis County. So at the very least it's protected. Um, how important is sharing some of these philanthropic values that you each have mentioned with the next generation of leaders who are living in Lewis County and just in Northern New York too? Well we touched early about it's hard to get youth involved. Parents are very involved in youth sports and they need that on their kids' resumes and that type of thing. So that's kind of detracted from somewhat. Pratt, we kind of recognized that and we kind of skipped the parents and went down to the kids and went to the high schools and created YACs, Youth Activity Councils. Essentially, we're setting up a, a, a mini foundation in each of the high schools. So they got four or $5,000 to issue grants in their school, solicit, ask for grants among the, their, the school themselves for projects and the, their own board would decide which ones to fund. And um, so here's your hands-on with eight or ten kids and the kids that they touch. So we're hoping that'll plant the seed that they'll always remember that experience. Here's, here's what it's like to, to give and to work on projects with others and, um, and we're we're pleased to note that the Community Foundation now is doing something quite similar. Something I've, we started in our business is uh, when uh, my uh, sons got involved, I, uh, I told one thing that I had done over the years, told them that uh, it's a good idea to start, is we would take uh, uh, not another total employee, but monies like if we would be hiring another employee and put it into a fountain foundation every year and so then that money kept building up and uh, uh, then it was in a nonprofit so we could just get at the end of the year anytime through the year we could distribute that money to any nonprofit it had to be to a nonprofit but that way it gets them in the 
idea of getting involved like that and uh, uh, the money's already there. So if you pay for it just like if you were paying for another employee, you, you don't miss it. And, uh, and that's what I think we talked about before is getting younger people involved. If they could get involved in something like that. Uh, hopefully it'll carry about, over. It'll, yeah, it'll, hopefully it'll, it'll carry, carry on. on. How important was it to, to have those conversations or to get your own, either children or families, engaged in giving back? I mean, it's something that's very important to both of you, um, but to impart that to your, to your kids and to other members of your family, how, how important was it to make them aware that this is a really important thing to do for your community? Well, I think it's very important, yeah. It's just kind of a way of life then. And, and I gotta give a lot of that credit to my wife too, because she's uh, uh, very much that way than doing things for other people. You asked how we got started in that, and I first I couldn't figure it out. So I, I it, and observing is how it came came to you. I think through what family were doing, it wasn't my family directly, but seeing what other people were doing. Um, but I think the one, and I hadn't thought about it in years, and I thank you for the, getting me to think about it, but the one was college. Um, I, back in our, in our day, I graduated in 1956, and there were Regents scholarships back then. And if you had a Regents diploma, you qualified for a Regents, for a Regents scholarship. And in my case, I went to Syracuse, and it was good for half the tuition and Syracuse University matched it with the other half. So you had full tuition for four years. Now, the only the, the, the catch was it didn't, any increase in tuition, it didn't cover that. But that was really, you know, that, uh, that was minor compared to, so you go through four years of college, you got no debt for the tuition side of it. If you could figure out how to pay your room and board, you were debt free at the end of that cycle. And so that put, in, in, at least in my mind, that I. I owe them a debt for, for that, and so, when the when the contribution request came out, it was not it was not hard at all to get started. First, it was pretty small, um, and you know now it's bigger and it it's more than a year's tuition was back then. Uh, I haven't been able to match it so that it is anything close to Syracuse's sixty thousand dollars or whatever it is now. But that you know that's something that. Um, it just kind of just kind of grew, and it, uh, but I nobody told me that, or and didn't have another example. But it just just kind of grew out of of what was there. But for the ones in the last in the campaign, there there was a thing about free college for everybody. I don't know that that's in the cards, and this wouldn't have done it for everybody. But there was something that was done sixty years ago. It was a pretty good thing. You got. Uh, Anybody could earn the earn the scholarship uh, if the grade if your grades were good you could get a scholarship, and if you applied it to a New York State school that was offering it, why well, it was it was quite a multiplier effect, and it was uh, pretty self-administering. If you were sitting in a room of high schoolers right now, and you had to impart a message to the group on why it's important to give back to your community, what would you say to them? It's the right thing to do to start with, and if you don't do it, it might not get done. You might you might be the something that starts the ball rolling for something that your your contribution 
especially of effort. I mean, in the beginning, as a young person, you don't have many dollars, but you have your you have your time and talent. And uh, if, if if you don't do it, there's something that might not get rolling that would be worthwhile. I agree with what everything Dad says and said, and and, uh, and to add to that, uh, uh, especially the younger generation, it isn't it isn't just the money you give back; it's your time and effort and, and their involvement that's probably in a lot of cases as as important or more important than the dollars that are given there and because uh, uh, some of these projects are not going to get done unless it's by volunteer help and uh, people that get involved Lo local people that get involved last question where can philanthropy I mean it already has done this but where can philanthropy play a role in the county's development and growth in the future I struggled with that. I, you know, that's kind of the cart before the horse, and I have not thought about it in that very. Usually, it's the other way around. There's some kind of commercial development, and it has some land or something left over that can be the, you know, the incubator for some not-for-profit. It's hard to see it the other way around, but it worked at Maple Ridge. It happened to work. That uh, that whole idea made the housing development possible that probably wouldn't have been otherwise. So. It wasn't conscious that we were doing uh, development, but it turned out that we were. So, uh, and most nonprofits, most all of them are operating on limited funds, and the only way they can really, uh, from the financial end, the only way they can really expand uh, where dollars are needed is if there's there's money donated. I think it's safe to say. Lewis County's in a, in a better place, um, not just because of the collective, but also because of the two of you being able to participate in these projects too. I know you probably wouldn't say that, but I think it, you know, I, I'll take the opportunity to mention it here. Um, you know, many others have contributed along the way with you, but we appreciate you sharing some backstory and context about philanthropy's presence and the difference it's made in Lewis County. And it's been a pleasure having you here on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to this edition of the Northern New York Community Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode with Joe Widrick and Don Hunt. We are grateful to have the support of WPBS-TV and the Northern New York Community Foundation so we can continue sharing these conversations about community philanthropy on this platform. Stay tuned for more great stories from the heart of our community, and thanks again for listening. Northern New York Community Podcast. Stories from the heart of our community.